Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. It's 12.33 in Edmonton. Brendan Neskla with you here on Oilers Now, where some guests receive gift certificates to Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. Whether you're celebrating a special moment or simply savoring a night on the town, every meal is an occasion at Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. We are, uh, we are going to hook up with Kyler Yamamoto a little later on in the show. We'll hear from GM Ken Holland as well on getting that restricted free agent deal done. But right now, we're going to head down the QE2 and link up with Logan Gordon from Sportsnet 960 down in Calgary. And we're going to talk, uh, well, there's a few things going on, actually, that should be addressed. Logan, appreciate you hopping on Oilers now, man. You're up with Brendan. How's it going today? I'm great, Brendan. How are you? I am doing well, thank you. So, uh, let's simply put Calgary's off season in in your words. I mean, it's easy to have an opinion outside the market, but from somebody who's sort of been in the thick of things and hearing what the fans think, and and being one of the pundits of of an off season of some change, how would you describe it? I would say it's been a roller coaster for the Calgary Flames and probably for their fan base too. The the Johnny Gaudreau situation was one that lingered over the team pretty much since their second-round loss against the Edmonton Oilers. The Flames went hard on, on Johnny Gaudreau trying to re-sign him. I think they had every belief that they could re-sign him. And up until the last moment when you know NHL insiders like Elliot Friedman reported that he was going to free agency, that's pretty much when Flames' focus had to shift and Let's be honest, there's no replacing a Johnny Gaudreau in free agency. That's just not something that can happen. Uh, The team had to pivot to plan B and probably had to pivot to plan C even when Matthew Kachuk uh, announced that he wasn't going to be re-signing with the team. Uh, Temperature seemed to change a bit when the return for Matthew Kachuk came in, but uh, to say it's been an up-and-down offseason here in Calgary is probably the best way to state it. Yeah, I, I can only imagine the roller coaster of emotions, and and you said it with the return that they got in that Kachuk deal. I, I wonder how much of the, I wonder how much cold water maybe that threw on on the people that had their hair on fire, so to speak, because you know Hubert Huberto leading the league in assists last year, six clear of Connor McDavid. This is a this is a hockey player. We haven't necessarily seen him in a market like Calgary, but obviously the talent is there. And, and I don't know how you ever make up for the likes of, of a 100-point player, but you're pretty darn close here. Yeah, look, all things considered, for the Calgary Flames to have been able to, in reality, replace a 100-point player with a 100-point player in Jonathan Huberto is a win that most people in this market just didn't seem uh, to think was plausible, given the, the negotiating point that Calgary was in. Matthew Kachuk, you know, was... Gave the Flames the advantage of saying, look, if you guys can trade me and find a good return, that's great, but I'm only going to be open to signing with certain teams on an eight-year deal. So anybody else that was going to acquire Matthew Kachuk was doing so under the notion that it was going to be under a one-year term, that $9 million qualifying offer. And that's a risky business for anybody in the NHL. So when the Flames have limited options, you're in a negotiating downside. It's a bit harder to, you know, obviously come up to terms with what the return's going to be like on a Matthew Kachuk. Great player, but rental situations are never great. So for the Flames to look at this and come back and say, hey, look, we, we brought back some significant talent, some significant top-end talent that I'm not sure people expected to get back in a trade, plus a Mackenzie Weger, a good prospect by all accounts in Cole Schwind and a future draft pick. 
I, I don't know how the Flames, other than can look at it other than as a win for the organization, even if Jonathan Huberto and Mackenzie Weger aren't long-term pieces of the plan going forward here in Calgary. They're at least considerable assets, and that's not something they got back for Johnny Gaudreau. He left for nothing. Matthew Kachuk at least gave them something in return. Chatting with Logan Gordon from uh, Sportsnet 960 in Calgary. Uh, do you think that, I guess, well, what is your read on the likelihood of either of these pending unrestricted free agents to end up re-signing on a longer-term deal in Calgary? I mean, I don't imagine that Trey Living would have made the deal thinking that these guys are going to walk away, but early reads, in your opinion, would be what? I think early reads are favorable when it comes to getting pen to paper with Uyghur and with Huberto. I think that uh, with what Brad Living's been able to do this offseason, he can convince both players that, uh, look, they're, I'm not saying a Stanley Cup contender sitting here in Calgary, but I think that there's at least a possibility that this team makes some noise in the Pacific Division and can compete for a playoff spot. So it's not all doom and gloom when you've lost 13 and 19. Uh, I think you can sell that to Huberto and to Uyghur, that they're going to be big pieces of that going forward. And the nice thing is for the Calgary Flames, they're in the same financial position almost that they were with Kachuk and Goudreau in the sense that they have the money to offer high-end talent here if they want to be here. That's always the big question with any free agent or pending free agent is, look, when you have the opportunity to walk, you've earned that right and you absolutely can exercise that right. But at the same time, the Flames have every financial ability with a Sean Monaghan and a Milan Lucic contract coming off the books next year to offer these guys market or even slightly above market price to keep them in Calgary if that needs to happen. So I think when you put together the fact that the team isn't looking at a rebuild or a retool at this time and the fact that they can offer them as much money probably as anybody in the league right now, I think you're talking about a pretty favorable position for the Flames when it comes down to that. Again, I, I think Uyghur and Huberto are still processing this and are still uh, trying to uh, understand what it's going to be like in Calgary. They're two guys who aren't overly familiar with the market, um, but I think the Flames are in as good a position as any when it comes to re-signing both of those guys. Now, when you lose... I don't know that, you know, maybe it's too much to say that Kachuk was sort of the de facto captain on a team that, you know, hadn't named one, but he was certainly a cornerstone piece on and, and off the ice the way he spoke to the media and that sort of thing. Um, yeah, what is the next step in terms of the leadership of this team? Is this a bigger role now for Elias Lindholm? Are we expecting Andrew Mangiapane to really step up in in a you know a role now where he's got some money behind his name and, and has earned it? What is what is the core of Calgary's team look like to you right now, Logan? Yeah, the core really does start with Elias Lindholm. Um, he's a quiet superstar in my mind, a guy that doesn't do so with a lot of flash, but. This is a guy that any GM in the NHL would love to plug into their lineup. He's just that good. He's able to drive play. It doesn't matter what line meets you put him with. He is uh, going to be effective at both ends of the ice. He's a defensive driver for the Flames on a front-line role, and that's extremely important to uh, how Daryl Sutter runs things here in Calgary. Uh, I think he's going to be 
the face of this going forward uh, for the Calgary Flames and their core. I think Jonathan Huberto is rightly so going to get a lot of the attention and probably a lot of comparison to the guys that have left around here. But for the Flames and what they want to do, Brennan, it's really going to come down to Elias Lindholm being that number one center that he's been the last couple of years and now having to do so with a couple of different players and continuing to have that success. He had it last year with Goudreau and Kachuk. They were one of the best lines in the NHL at times. Can he repeat that success, say, with a Manjapani and a Huberto on his line? That's going to be the biggest question. The Flames have always, under Daryl Sutter, tried to score as a unit. They probably got more offense than they expected from the group as a whole last season, but it's going to be more of a, a committee approach this year when you've lost two top six guys and really only replaced them with one. The role for a man Japani going to increase, obviously, given that contract you mentioned there. But I think if you're talking about the Calgary Flames and where you're going to look for this team to continue to grow and continue to push forward, it starts with Elias Lindholm. Logan Gordon, our guest from Sportsnet 960 in Calgary. Uh, on the topic of Mangiapane's uh, contract extension, three years, $5.8 million, pretty well the going rate for a guy that produces the, the way that he did last year? Yeah, absolutely. I think that uh, it was a contract that made sense for both sides. We spoke to Andrew yesterday. Uh, he said from the beginning he was open to whatever the Calgary Flames were we're interested in doing whether it's going to be a long-term contract, a shorter term as it wound up being in this situation. Uh, he was open to anything. He's really loved his time in Calgary. He's been one of the guys in the organization that's continually grown since being uh, drafted in the sixth round back in 2015. Anything you put in front of this guy is just another challenge for him to overcome. And he's done that so far at every opportunity and for him to really pop off last year for 35 goals, I think showed the organization and showed a lot of people here in Calgary that he is capable of being more than say a middle six guy here. He's ready for that next opportunity. You're, when you score 35 goals in a contract year, RFA or UFA, uh, you guys know that in Edmonton, you're going to get paid one way or the other. So uh, the flames had the money. They kept this in mind. They, he had said yesterday, he understood that business had to get done one way or the other for Kachuk and Gaudreau before his situation um, became front of mind for the Calgary Flames. But this was an important player for them to get locked up, and they're excited to see what he can do given an um, expanded role this year. I, I think the Oilers, if if Kyler Yamamoto gets to the level of production that Mangiapane showed last year, these are probably, like, that would be a nice comparable, I think, for Edmonton to eventually get. And we're talking about comparing a first-round pick in Yamamoto to what was a sixth-round pick for Calgary. So, uh, you know, watching this player develop in the system, I'm sure, has been, uh, it's been a nice success story for the Flames, something to really uh, cling on to there. And maybe part of the breakout, not the part of the, the breakout, Logan, as you know, came at the World Championship, seven goals in seven games there. But that continued, uh, obviously, at the NHL level last season as well. It certainly did. And look, that World Championship was not to be uh, dismissed for, for Andrew because he went into that really excited for the opportunity. Uh, he came in there to a team that was struggling and immediately made an impact and said to himself, and he said as much to the media here in Calgary, hey, if I get opportunities, I'm always playing with a chip on my shoulder. If I can go out and get these opportunities, I'm going to show people what I can do. Uh, make no 
you know, bones about it. This was a guy that had a huge confidence boost from that time with Hockey Canada and a boost from that tournament that he took directly into the NHL season. He started extremely hot for the Calgary Flames. Uh, Flames fans will remember, you know, the road goal scoring streak that he went on last year. It seemed like every road game the Flames uh, were able to pick up a victory and Andrew Mangiapane had something to do with it on the score sheet. And that just made a huge difference. And for a guy that is a six-round draft pick, who isn't, you know, traditionally that big, strong NHLer that we think of. It's a guy that is 5'10 on a good day, well under 200 pounds. He has to do the, the, everything right. He has to compete for pucks. He has to be the first one in on the forecheck. And he's never had a problem being the hardest worker on the ice. And every time that he's done it, it's led to success and it's led to more opportunities. So for him to have gotten that opportunity with Canada, continued it into this season with the Calgary Flames. Uh, I can only imagine more good things are coming for him as more opportunity comes. Do you think there is another level to be reached here with this player, even if it's just that level of consistency? Yeah, I think consistency is the biggest one. Um, that's probably what the Flames are looking for most out of him. That's what he even mentioned with us yesterday uh, when we chatted with him, that there's not a specific asset of his game that he wants to improve more than just being a consistent NHLer. And I think that will come, uh, Brennan, with a consistent role. This is a guy that uh, the good news for the Flames has been that he can play anywhere up and down your lineup. The bad news is, is that usually means you're changing different parts of your of your lineup pretty consistently. If he can find himself on a consistent top six role, find himself on the power play for you know, 70, 80 games this upcoming season, I think that consistency will come. He's sort of been a product of what's been presented to him here in Calgary, and that has meant different roles. Uh, and sometimes you have to adjust to those. Sometimes they're more defensive-minded than, than offensive-minded, and uh, consistency can come with uh, a couple of different things. And I mentioned that opportunity for him to you know, find consistent line mates this season and perhaps find a consistent role in this team's top six certainly gives you the feeling that there could be a little bit more to his game. Chatting with uh, Logan Gordon from Sportsnet 960. Couple more for you, Logan, and and we'll start here. Nazem Kadri sweepstakes ongoing. Uh, really not sure what the dollar value is going to be on this player, but Calgary being mentioned as one of the destinations potentially. I think that was more so before the trade. But is there any sort of vibe that Kadri could be in play for the Flames, or is that more of a pipe dream? I think it's more of a pipe dream right now. Uh, I think in a perfect world, the Flames would like to add a player like Nazem Kadri. It's someone they've been connected to before, going back to his time in Toronto. And yeah, look, it raised a lot of eyebrows around here when the, his name was sort of thrown about as a free agent that the Flames might find themselves interested to because going back this time in Toronto, the Flames had consummated a deal with the Toronto Maple Leafs that would have sent Kadri to Calgary, but he nixed that deal. A lot of people in this market took that as Nazem saying, look, I don't want to be part of the Calgary organization. I don't want to go to Calgary. He since came out and explained that it was simply him not necessarily taking a shot at Calgary and not saying he didn't want to be there, but more so saying he wanted to stay with the Maple Leafs at that time. As we know, things changed. He eventually became a member of the Colorado Avalanche and had great success. I think most of us in Calgary here know that Michael Backlund is a great player, but maybe at this point in his career, offensively, he's better suited as this team's third center. 
Uh, I just don't think that given the money that they've spent so far this off season, and given the season that Kadri came off of that, it's just going to be a little bit too tight for Brad Trillian and company to fit a guy like Nazem Kadri in. Even if he was interested, uh, I think there's a lot of opportunity out there for him, whether it be going back to Colorado or, or a team like the New York Islanders. I think it's a bit out of Calgary's range right now. And, uh, Finally, the Pacific Division. We've seen, you know, some some, some cataclysmic changes, I guess, in the terms of Calgary, and, and then other teams like San Jose quietly selling off their veterans. Anaheim's kind of in between. What do you make of the Pacific Division here, and some of the moves that have been made in this off season? It has been an interesting division. It, it always it intrigues me to see what these teams are doing because it doesn't seem like the division is is ever on the same page. You seem to have your contenders and then your rebuilders. Uh, I did like what Edmonton did this offseason. I think Jack Campbell has the potential to be uh, the goaltender that Edmonton's longed for consistently in goal the last couple of seasons there. And uh, you have to like what, what that addition looks like for them. Uh, I think the Vegas situation is, is incredibly intriguing to me to have another offseason where they let one of their best players go for nothing uh, simply to find a way to get the cap figured out is just to me it's ludicrous that back-to-back years this team has traded away a Vesna Trophy winning goaltender and then a 30-goal scorer for absolutely nothing. Can Jack Eichel be the Jack Eichel we remember in Buffalo? It looked good at times last year, but I think for the most part we know who the contenders are in this division. I'll be curious if one of those teams in Anaheim or perhaps L.A. can make another statement. I don't have to tell Oilers fans you know, what L.A. is on the verge of building. I know that first-round series against L.A. probably opened a lot of people's eyes, not just in Edmonton, but probably across the division. So I think it's going to be a competitive division. I think that we'll still see growth out of the the likes of Seattle and, and San Jose near the bottom. But I think it's going to be a competitive division with at least, in my mind, three or four teams that have a legitimate shot at winning it. Logan, this was fun, man. Let's do it again soon. Thanks, Brennan. Appreciate the time, man. Logan Gordon from Sportsnet 960 down in Calgary. It is 12.51 in the uh, the capital region, same time in Calgary, too. But we're here in Edmonton. We're broadcasting live. Oilers now. Uh, reminder that the Oilers Now Injury Report is brought to you all season long by James H. Brown Injury Lawyers. Unrivaled experience, unrivaled commitment, unrivaled results. So a little bit on Majapani there, a little bit on the Pacific Division, and a lot more coming up on Kyler Yamamoto. First from the GM and then from the kid himself in hour number two. We'll press pause right now on Oilers Now. Still a couple more days of vacation time for Bob. So you get me. It's Brendan Escott in here. Cam Moon had the last several days. Another big thanks to Mooner. Talking about, well, we're talking about right wingers. We're talking about Albertan right wingers. Two days, two contracts signed. Kyler Yamamoto coming up after the 1.30 news today to talk about his two-year extension with the Oilers. Again, a 21-goal season. Uncle Jimmy pointed out, I believe it was him, on the text line that, yeah, it's easy to have career highs when you're only in your second year in the NHL. I'll tell you what he didn't do was regress, Uncle Jimmy. So if you put your optimistic glasses on I think that's that's probably a a better sign 81 games 40 points what is his ceiling and what are you expecting for him to produce on this 3.1 million dollars a year contract like if he scores 25 goals next year and plays second unit power play and kills penalties that is more than fulfilling 3.1 million dollars per year 
Zach Cassian was making three point what three point four last year, I believe, and he was not producing in those situations. He was not a twenty goal scorer, and maybe he hit harder, but I don't know that he hit as often or track pucks the way that Yamamoto did. So there you go. And, you know, you'll, again, I say if he ends up being a 35-goal scorer at some point down the road for this team, then you're in a pretty darn good situation with a homegrown talent, the same way that Calgary has found themselves with the homegrown talent that is Andrew Maggiapani. $5.8 million price tag for him coming off of a 35-goal year, 3.1 for Yamamoto, who has, uh, I would say, very similar potential. Now, as far as the contract comparables go, uh, capfriendly.com has listed the likes of Luke Cunning, uh, Jesper Bratt, who I think is far less valuable as a whole than uh, Yamamoto was. Big point season last year, I get it, but um, I, I, I think I would still rather have the well-rounded Yamamoto on my team. Jake Dabrowski is listed there as well. Uh, Kevin Fiala's old contract, not the one that he just signed in LA. That is a behemoth. But you get the picture, right? Like these, these. I would say that Yamamoto is toward the upper end of the scale of these players that are also listed here. He's an oiler, he's a homegrown oiler, and he's producing the, the likes, you know, that a first rounder should in his third NHL season. So moving forward, would love to see what he could do with a more extended look in the top six, playing all year with either McDavid or Dreisaitl at center. Man, that was a magical run when you think back to what he did when he first got called up at New Year's Eve of 2019, heading into 2020, if I'm not mistaken, that game against the Rangers. It was a wild one. And then after that, they just went on an absolute tear. Since then, Nuge, of course, moving back to the middle of the ice. But nevertheless, this is a player who has already shown that he can produce at a high level playing with elite players who, by all accounts, like playing with Yamamoto. And you just had him run through the, the playoff gauntlet with uh, with a team that made it to the Western Conference Finals against the eventual cup winner. All of that, to me, is tracking on a very strong growth path. But again, we'll hear it from the horse's mouth coming up after the 1.30 news. Yamamoto set to join us on Oilers now. After this next newscast with Evan Cook, we're going to dip into the audio vault once more. Reed Wilkins chatting with Oilers GM Ken Holland last night on Inside Sports, talking about that deal, Pugliarvi's deal, and Matthias Janmark. You won't want to miss it. It's Brendan Escott in today and tomorrow on Oilers Now.